Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Hi, and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your guest host today, Dr. Tanisha Wards with Infinity Wellness Center, and my guest is Dr. Danny Vinoy. I have the great pleasure of working beside him at Infinity Wellness Center here in Austin, Texas. Dr. Danny Vinoy is a chiropractor who practices applied kinesiology and manual muscle testing, also focuses on functional nutrition, and really looking at the body as a whole and finding the core root cause for symptoms such as fatigue, headaches, um, insomnia, hormone issues, um, pain, all kinds of, of undiagnosed problems is what you look to find, correct? All right. So what exactly is, because um, our viewers just may not know, what exactly exactly is applied kinesiology and, and muscle testing? Applied kinesiology uses muscle testing. Yeah. So applied kinesiology is just a kind of a diagnostic technique to really find out what's going on. And then from that, you can use all sorts of um, in, um, interventions to really kind of um, get um, results and kind of treat or really um, support the body. Right. So applied kinesiology looks at um, the body more um, ho- holistically. Um, so, yeah, we do use manual mu- muscle testing, which is... Um, finding a good strong muscle and not just strengthen the muscle, but you want a good locking mechanism and then you can kind of introduce things to the body to kind of mess with that locking mechanism. And that's all you're really looking for is for that lock to go away. Um, and that's kind of a new stress to the body that it can't deal with. And that's where you can kind of find, find, find the problems. I've referred to it with my patients sometimes is just a way to ask your body questions, just a physical way to ask your body questions. And that's something that is very (coughs) specialized and really lets you listen to what the body needs or what it's toxic of, right? So it can take things away or you can put things in based on what the muscle testing tells you. Right. So it's just like a dialogue with the body and the patient's body. Um, That innate intelligence really getting into what the body wants and kind of how the body works. It's... um, yeah, it's the, it's the smartest thing in the room. It can take what you had for, <laughs> you know, for for dinner and make it into eye cells and liver cells. And as much as I can study <laughs> and learn, I can't tell my own body to make more eye cells and liver cells or tell my like kidneys, hey, you guys need to slow down on like uh, uh, filtration. But there's a intelligence in the body that does that all on its own without you having to think about it. So if we can tap into that and get talk to that um, intelligence and get um, information from there, we really get good good results. I love that. I'm going to steal that. It's a dialogue with the body. I love it. Um, So you have a really interesting story of how you got into this. And when I first met you, I was captivated by that story. Do you mind sharing that before we get into our topic today? Yeah. yeah, I guess you're referring to to my granddad. Yeah. Uh, So that was a, I was about nine nine or 10 years old and my granddad started to lose strength. Um, Couldn't uh, pick up a cup of coffee without using two hands and leaning down to, to, to the table and barely getting off the table. Um, facial muscles were sagging. You know, it got to a point where he couldn't scratch his head without lifting his arm up with his, with his other hand. So he just couldn't even fight gravity. Wow. <clears throat> um, wow. The medical doctors gave him a good diagnosis of polymyositis, which just means mini muscle swelling, but didn't know what was causing it and didn't know how to get rid of it or what, what to do about it. And they said that the next group of muscles to go were going to be the involuntary ones, so the ones 
organs that control your digestion, your lungs, even your heart. And they're like, well, you don't know how long you have or where this is going to go. So he was like, so pretty much hospice. And that's kind of what they were hitting to. And he didn't didn't take that. He went and found a chiropractor that was doing applied kinesiology and the muscle testing. And they just found through muscle testing that he had high levels of heavy metals in, in, his, in his blood. Um, the, that the chiropractor sent him to a chelation therapist. They ran special tests. And he was actually off the chart for testable mercury. Um, wow. So they, they were just, you know, they have so many dots. And he were like, you're over that. So we, do you have one more dot? Do you have twice as many dots that were like, you're off the chart for how much we can test. We just know that we have to get this, this out of your system. So ran chelation, um, um, two or three months and strength came back, went back to work and he turns 92 at the the beginning of the year. How long ago was this? uh, This was, was it nine or 10? So probably about 24, 25 years ago. Wow. And he's going to be 92. Yeah. And I guess this month. Yeah. So how did he get exposed to mercury? I'm not not sure. We're not sure. They they originally thought it was lead because the, the the heavy metal point is for all, all heavy metals, and he really didn't dig into um, uh, trying to dif- differentiate. It was just like yeah. heavy metals. You I can't adjust heavy metals out of your blood. That's not how chiropractic works. But we at least know through applied kinesiology where to send you and and, and what's causing the issue. Um, so when they went, um, he's been a painter since the since the forties. He's, he's been a painter. A painter, yeah. So he was. A, they used to give him paint, and they'd give you lead. So lead was yes. in the paint, but it wasn't in the paint. They, 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 it was separate. So they'd open the paint. They'd open the paint. They'd open the lead and pour the lead in the paint and mix it up with their hands. And so, so he was exposed yeah. to all kinds of <laughs> yeah, toxins. Yeah. So they, <laughs> before you know, we knew lead was bad for us, right? Yeah. So they thought it was lead going into wow. it, but then when they when they finally ran the test, it was mercury. So I don't know if it wow. was you know back then before they knew we weren't supposed to be playing with mercury. Was it, was he at school rolling around? <laughs> right. Was it is it was it in dental work? Um, wow. Did he have some kind of um, um, uh, disability for his body not to be able to clear out um, even the the, the um, the minor amount of stuff through 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 the dental work and then just build build up over time and finally got 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 to him. So. Which could be a genetic defect or something in yeah, his body. Yeah. Who knows? Oh wow, interesting. And maybe not everybody knows what chelation is, and and we don't want to spend much time on that. But just to clear up that fancy word, yeah. what Ke- they did for him. Chelation is um, they just went in and they um, just they use. Um, s- things to bind up um, heavy metals and get them out of your body. So they, uh, pr- pretty much what it looks like is he went in and did, did a urine test and that has so much um, isolates of these of these metals and, and, and toxicities and things that, that they'll test for. They give you the chelation chemicals and everything that bind to that and they'll, they'll, they'll give you another urine test. And what they want to see is that actually go up in your urine because that's your body getting rid of, uh, of all those toxins and things. Wow, that's so fascinating. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And yeah. so that just... You yeah. can definitely just feel your passion from hearing that story of why you do yeah. this. And I know, I know because I, again, have the honor of working alongside of you that we see miracles like this in our practice as well. And it's amazing to talk to the body. But today we're going to talk a little bit about um, headaches. And, you know, most people have had a headache, but sometimes just taking an aspirin isn't enough or taking an aspirin is just a temporary cure. So let's talk about the different kind of headaches that you've seen come in the office. Maybe just give us a couple different types of headaches that you see. Uh, well, the big one everybody uh, you know is is um, deals with or you know hears about is uh, migraines. Uh, uh-huh. So we, we we see migraines. There's um, pressure headaches um, with, from like bar- barometric pressure changes. There um, there's cervicogenic headaches, tension headaches. Um, there are cluster headaches, um, and then. Um, blood sugar headaches, hor- hormonal headaches. So yeah, all, all, like the whole like the whole gamut there. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you, what would you do if somebody came in with a migraine? 
Uh, yeah, so if somebody came in with a migraine, uh, like I said, we would take uh, a look at the spine, make sure that all that's moving, that that's not contributing to, to, to a headache. Um, there are also other triggers that can lead to a migraine, so we want to identify anything that is triggering a migraine. Um, also would look at the, um, so kind of helping get people out of, you know, that migraine loop or just out of out of the pain of the migraine. Um, I have, have an otoscope um, that has a little bulb on it. So you can look in the ear, make sure that there's no, um, so you go to the side of uh, the, the, like, of, of the headache and you go in the ear and you look and make sure that the ear canal is open, that there's no um, earwax or blockages or critters or anything living in there. <laughs> uh, <Hopefully laughs> and then you want to make sure you, you can see the eardrum and that it's, it's, it's intact, right? So uh-huh. don't want to be doing this without, um, without, without um, a fully intact eardrum. But once, uh, yeah, once once the, those two are good, you just kind of just pulse um, some some air in, into the ear. Oh wow! Like about once per second, and then it just kind of pumps the eardrum, and kind of re um, kind of integrates the brain and kind of tells it to calm down a little bit. And you've you've seen migraines completely disappear with this. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You also mentioned checking the cervical spine for misalignments and migraine triggers. Can you can you break those two down for us? Um, checking the cervical spine, how can that affect a migraine? And what do you do when you check for it? And what do you do when you find something out of alignment? Uh, so there are, um, I guess, many theories on what causes a migraine and what, when, when what's going on. One of them is is blood pressure um, and the the swelling of the, um, the blood vessels in, in, in the head. In the head, you, ha- you have, you know, your brain and every, all the soft tissues up there, but it's surrounded by uh, a hard skull, right? So there's not really room for any kind of move, like um, more inflammation in there, right? So when those blood vessels start to get inflamed and kind of over um, their normal size, it kind of starts to put pressure, and that's like that inside pressure, just really um, grabbing feeling that, that you're feeling. Um, so going in and, and adjusting the spine, m- making sure mm-hmm. that um, that there's proper blood flow, that there's proper um, innervation, and that there's... Um, Nerve flow too. Yeah, yeah, nerve flow, blood flow, just yeah, the the innervation, just the the communication between um, the brain and the spinal cord, and all the things going up through um, that little bitty hole in in your skull. Um, <clears throat> so Got I, I want to make sure all that's working. Um, that can also be without a migraine, you can get a kind of a cervical genic headache, and that's kind of feels like it feels more like the headband, um, kind of all the way around, and that's usually um, just from. Um, being being out of alignment, so you kind of see just that, and just pretty much rely on hey something in the neck, whether it's muscle or um, kind of tension, something like that coming from the neck out of alignment. Um, usually more structural stuff. Um, uh, migraines, it, it can be that plus um, like the edge triggers and things as well. So foods, like I said, um, sounds, lights, things like that um, will kind of set set off a migraine. So. Not everybody knows what you mean by chiropractic adjustment. Possibly, I'm okay. just I'm I'm not sure if okay. everybody knows what a chiropractic adjustment is. I know some people have this fear of a chiropractic adjustment, and I yeah. assure people we're very trained not to do the things you see on TV. Yeah. Can you kind of take us through the process of okay, somebody came in with a migraine, you check the base of their head, their neck, you found something that doesn't feel like it's quite in alignment. Right. Um, then so, what? So we call that a subluxation. A subluxation is just an area in the spine that's not moving the way that it should, or it's kind of stuck out in, in an area that it's, it's, it's in its normal range of motion, but not, um, not, not moving freely through it. Um, and then, yeah, once, once we find that, uh, we would make an, an adjustment. Um, the adjustment, it's a high velocity, low amplitude. So it's a, um, in, I guess, yeah, kind of 
like layman's terms, it's a very quick but very short movement, right? So we're, we're moving at a very quick speed, but we're not like trying to t take your nose all the way around, back, back, behind your back. <laughs> is, right? is what I think some people right. think of, right? So like, no, yeah, we're very yeah. gentle. It's not a Steven Seagal movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then, but so yeah, so just gonna make, um, find, you know, find the adjustment, find where that, um, find the subluxation, um, find where it's not moving, and just kind of move it through its range of motion. Um, there, there is um, normally a cavitation, or the, um, that's the word for the pop, um, and that pop or that cavitation is just a nitrogen gas air bubble escaping the, the joint capsule. Right. People think it's your bones cracking, yeah, but cracking it's not. Yeah, I explain yeah, that all right. the time. No, it's, like, um, it's like taking a, su a suction cup off, off, off the window. Or a soda can, right. opening a soda can. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just the gas like, release through there. Right, you know, that's a great there's, explanation. There's no problem with with the glass. There's no problem with the suction cup. The only difference is in the body, it takes about 15, 20 minutes for that nitrogen bubble to build back up in the joint capsule before it'll make another sound. Right, so if it's already made that sound, it may not make a pop, but there'll still be movement. And Got it. I know the few times I've had migraines, which thankfully has only been a few times in my life. Sometimes the only thing that fixes it is a chiropractic adjustment. Like it's it's there is clearly something out of alignment and I am so thankful that I have you guys around me to adjust yeah. for that. Um, so that kind of talks a little bit about migraines. You mentioned cluster headaches. That's a, that's a fun word. <laughs> what yeah. are, what are cluster yeah. headaches? Cluster headaches, they, um, well, they, I guess they come in clusters. So I, I you know, like, hey, I don't get headaches except for this one time of year. And they started uh. noticing it was like, you know, around, um, when people would get their, get, get allergies. Right? So if you're, it's, it's really tied in with, um, seasonal seasonal uh, allergies and and and, and inflammation. Right? So as this as you as you kind of start to fight these allergies, you start to get these um, more um, inflammatory mar markers and kind of in inflammatory things in the body to start to rise up, um, including in the brain. And as we talked about mm. with the brain not having space to for inflammation or swelling, you get this really ice pick like like um, feeling right behind the eye and it, you know one eye you know it's usually it's usually one uh, so it can be both but it, it's um it's very very um debilitating um to the point where you're like i'm not going to work i'm not going outside i'm not i'm not going oh, wow. doing like it, it'll take you out of like your normal daily activities and then um to the point where people are you know started going to the hospital like hey i'm there's something wrong with me and it's like, oh no it's just you know it, it is you know it's not just cluster headache it is cluster headache and it is, it is a big deal but it's um it's not you, know, you don't have a tumor or anything in there but right uh, so it's that's a big one here in central texas yeah. we I think every season we have some allergen, right? We just, that, we just change like like seasons <laughs> of allergies, right? Right. We're we're it, we're finishing up cedar season right now. Here we're in we're in February, early February. I guess it's just kind of past oak, oak, and then mold started early. So we're seeing a lot of this in our yeah. practice right now yeah. here then, in Texas. And then ragweed will hit, you know. Uh, right after, summer, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and back to cedar. <laughs> back to, yeah, it's what season is it by your allergies? Uh, um, so, in your practice, what kind of things maybe using functional nutrition would you do for somebody with allergies? I know sometimes it starts with their immune system and their gut, homeopathics. Where, what do you do? So I just want to make sure things aren't getting through 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 the gut. So we want to make sure that there's enough hydrochloric acid and, and things like that. So there's um, you know things that you know if you are eating your your allergies or you, or if you do get allergies and, and high high histamine reactions and if you do get into any histamines, it's going to help break those things down even further. So it's not um, adding to the effect of the seasonal seasonal stuff. Um, yeah, when it, there's um, some things that we use that really um, 
dehistify, I guess, if you want to say, or take the histamines out of the body. Kind of, kind of help binds binds those up and takes those out. There's some things that we use to help clean up, clean out the liver, um, and kind of help flush flush that out because um, you're dealing with. Um, allergies and all those histamines and things, cytokines, they're going to get, get built up in the system and really puts a lot of stress on uh, the liver. And it's the liver's job <coughs> to get rid of a lot of that histamine yeah. reaction. Yeah. Um, and so it'll, it'll send things to the, to the colon or the large intestine to get, to get out. And we, then again, want to make sure that we're having good bowel movements and things like mm-hmm. that. Because if that's not happening, then you're just going to sit there and reabsorb these toxins and, and then that's a whole different issue. And we have to kind of, yeah, rewind and stop. And sometimes, and I know a lot of our patients, we have to take a step back and start with the gut before we can even really treat the allergies because the gut is in such bad shape. And that's a big one. What are some of the, um, could you just give us some tips for the cluster headaches and allergies of some, um, like nutrients that might help? I know some people use, um, bromelain or. So bromelain is the, um, I guess the enzyme in pineapple. Um, there's uh, papain, which is the um, enzyme in papaya. Uh-huh. So th- those those are really good. Um, there's some other uh, quercetin is a yeah, good qu- quercetin. That, that was that's in. Uh, I think we use that at the office in something we call uh, dehist. Uh huh. So it's um, the dehistamine. Yeah, so it takes <laughs> you know, it dehistifies you, right? So it kind of helps support th- those systems. Um, and then yeah, just any kind of enzymes to help break break those. Um, proteins down into single amino acids, your body's going to have a lot better chance of not, not reacting to. What are your thoughts on neti potting? This is a controversial uh, topic, right? Because somebody got a parasite from using tap water, tap water with, with, so everybody for the longest time was like, don't neti pot. Uh, but what do you think about that? Well, if you read the instructions, it says <laughs> to not use tap water. If you're going to you use either filtered water um, and not really filtered water, but you want to use purified water. Or, or distilled, right? Yeah, can you or, use or, that? Or distilled. Okay. Or if you can't get access to either one of those, you boil, you boil your water, let it oh. cool to room temperature. Obviously let it cool. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be uh, shooting <laughs> boiling water up, up in your nasal cavity. But yeah, um, it's the one time, the few times that I've had really bad sinus infections um, to the point where I even, first time I had it, I called my dentist. I was like, oh, I've got a tooth. And i got something oh. wrong with my tooth. And he was like, you sound stuffy. And I was like... Yeah, he's like, give me a couple of weeks. He's like, take take a couple of weeks and call me back. If it still hurts, we'll we'll see you. He's like, you know, there's and the pressure and stuff from your sinuses are pushing on the nerve roots in your teeth. I've had that happen. Yeah, and I was like, okay. He's like, so just give it a couple of weeks. He's like, go go get some stuff like over the counter stuff and try like uh, neti potting. He's like, if it's still happening, you know. Then and then come in and see me. It's a tooth thing. He's like, it sounds like it's a, it's, a, it's a sinus thing. So uh, yeah, I had to go. Yeah, it was a really bad sinus infection and had to you know t- take some stuff for it. Uh, and really kind of support the immune system, but at the same time, just get all that stuff out of um, all those nasal folds and everything. And yeah, because the pollen yeah, and the yeah. the mic the I shouldn't say <clears throat> microbes, but the um, spores of yeah. the allergen can get stuck yeah. in there, and you have to rinse it out. Yeah, it can be spores, and then it can turn into bacteria. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then yeah, now yeah, and then it's um, yeah, then it turns into a full full blown full blown infection. So I have a lot of patients that say. Yeah. Every year, this time of year, it starts with allergies, and then I get a sinus infection, and then they end up on antibiotics, which then kind of, as we all know, can wipe out the the gut microbiome, and so then now they have weakened immune system with Mm -hmm. weakened gut. So yeah, neti potting can prevent a lot of that, we found. And then, or even, or even from moving into an uh, upper re- respiratory infection. Oh. Right? So it goes sinus, and then you lay there a couple nights, and it goes down your throat, <clears> throat> gets into your chest, and now all the bacteria went 
down in your chest. Now we're looking at bronchitis or pneumonia mm -hmm. or something yeah. else. So yeah. yeah definitely, you definitely don't want a colony of bacteria or anything living in your na nasal passages. <clears throat> so the net neti potting, yeah, I've, um, yeah, I've done the most recently. I've, yeah, I've, I've done it. I was you know, getting rid of some very col colorful. <laughs> uh, I think I even showed you the picture there at the office. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember. It was neon. It, it was just like chartreuse <laughs> green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that so, tells yeah. us something was up yeah, there. I didn't want that in there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good yeah. and it, and so just to explain to some people it's um a salt water rinse too yeah. it, you squirt it up one nose comes out the other yeah. i have a funny story um my husband had a sinus infection once and i convinced him to let me put wo oil in his Oof. neti pot and it's um wormwood yeah, okay wormwood oil spearmint wintergreen oil a little bit of vitamin E and I think peppermint. It's a blend. So you put like four or five drops in there? I put like <laughs> nine or ten. Oh, wow. So I think, well, if, and I heard somebody else doing this, another practitioner, I was like, well, if one or two drops is, is good, four or five or ten, it's got to be better. He felt like he was pepper sprayed. Yeah. He, everything drained. Uh. He wasn't sick anymore. <laughs> I guess that's But what, yeah. he was not happy with me. And so we played with that and he, the funniest part is he was so mad. He looks at me and I was like, well, that's why they call it practice. <laughs> I'm not going to tell my patients to do that. I have to practice on somebody. Uh, um, but I have had patients put like one, like a drop, like one drop of tea tree or peppermint oil. And that, that can yeah. kind of kill spores and clean out. What do you think about that? I've done, I've done the tea tree. Um, I've taken, <laughs> uh, I'd be careful with anything a little bit spicier than a um, tea tree slash uh, Melaleuca is the kind of yep. a name for that. Uh, so anything stronger than that, I would be a little bit wary of. Um, I've had, yeah. oh, <laughs> used, I've used oregano, um, uh, kind of was just taking it orally and didn't didn't dilute it. So I put it in my mouth, swallowed it. Everything was down from from the neck down, but in my mouth it just felt like I ate like a hot hot fiery coal for about five minutes. Yeah. And, uh, so it just some of the stronger oils and stuff can be um, a little bit. Intense. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, you know, uh, if you're going <laughs> to use something, you know, a little bit, anything hotter than tea tree or melaleuca, maybe not use a full drop. You can stick the back of a toothpick in, yeah. the, in, the, in the oil and kind of swish it around in there just to kind of give it a little something without getting a full drop. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would do like, yeah, if you're going to do, you know, like one, one. Yeah. I've done one <laughs> drop yeah. and it, it burns for a second, <clears throat> right? Yeah, and when yeah. you neti pot, it feels like you went underwater in the ocean for one second yeah. and then it's done. And it's then, like getting yeah. Hit, getting hit, you know, uh, in the face with a wave and just, you know, all <laughs> yeah. That salt water goes in. It's yeah. exactly how I explain it to patients. Yeah, we're not giving medical advice on the tea tree, but I found it very, very effective. Um, if there's spores or something in there that, that help, and I think it relieves yeah. headaches too yeah. with it. So what other kind of headaches did you mention? Um, blood sugar headaches. Tell us what that feels like because right. I, knock on wood, don't have like hypoglycemia. Yeah. So yeah, explain what that looks like. Uh, so blood sugar is, uh, yeah, you're going to feel like you're you know, in, in between... Uh, in between meals, if, you, if your blood sugar drops and you're not kind of watching your blood sugar or you're 10 to more hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, um, you, you, yeah, you can get these kind of, well, one, the kind of the main, you know, I'll see a lot, I'll talk to a lot of people that get hangry. Right? Yes. So, 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 so <laughs> you, you, may not get a, you may not get a headache, but you get irritable and kind of cranky and, you know, just like. So I know, do know that. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. the, you know, what's the, I think it's like a, um, uh, a, a Snickers commercial. Right. Talking about, you know, so yeah, that's the, that's, that's the hangry. Um, yeah, so that, that can come with or without the headache too. So then you can get um, headaches, kind of feel like you're crashing and just, you know, brain fog and you're very, um, kind of goes back to just that real kind of dull, um, 
very diffuse headache that's not really you know one point behind the eye or kind of anywhere it's just you know my my head hurts you know kind of back to the, just the whole thing hurting um and yeah just and feeling um very i can, can come with like that hangry or irritability with it with it what would you tell patients um to do for that would you tell them would you look at regulating the pancreas with certain nutrients would you <clears> say <throat> stay ahead of that with food what would you tell them to reach for? Because we are not promoting Snickers when you get hangry. Right, right. <laughs> what would you tell them to do? So, Protein? Uh, uh, yeah, it kind of depends on, on what they have going on. Uh, you know, maybe one of those or in, in some cases all, right? Uh, we want to make sure if uh, that you're kind of watching your blood sugar, not, not letting it crash. Of course, not letting it get too high either. That's kind of the other side of things. Yeah, that's more diabetic uh, yeah, state. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, and then also, um, yeah, so supporting um, just glucose pathways in the body, um, making sure things get get um, transferred over to energy and get transferred into the body the way it's supposed to. Um, you know, if it's getting transferred into triglycerides and things like that, that's really taxing on the body to have to put that there right so it uses a whole lot of energy just to get it over to a different pathway if if the um blood sugar pathways aren't open and um really ready for all this glucose that that you're putting in the system we'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you become a supporter at patreon.com slash psyche truth where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h. So, in your office, what nutrients might you recommend somebody take if they wanted to take supplements or nutrition to help regulate the pancreas if, it, if they're really having a hard time? So there's uh, yeah, there's some things we use in the office using um, chromium. There's some things that we use in the office using um, it, it, inositol. Okay. Um, so uh, particularly D-chiro inositol re- really, really helps with that. Um, things like cinnamon right, yeah. really, really help kind of uh, stabilize the uh, blood sugars and things. And then as far as like diet for hypoglycemia headaches, if you want to prevent them, do you tell people to eat all day long, every two hours, high so protein? I kind of have to watch this myself. I'm a, a type a, a blood type, so I just kind of tend to be, can can get that way um, really fast. Kind of have to watch watch my blood sugar. Um, so yeah, just, you know, and even, even patients just have to eat every, every two or three hours. Um, you're not want you're not, you know, if you're going to snack, make sure it's healthy snacks that you're not snacking on sugary or very, um, um, starch laden carbs and things like that. If you're going to eat carbs, make sure that they're complex, you know, vegetables and, you know, things like that. Uh, really watch out for fruit. You don't want to be eating fruit as your snacks all the time because, you know, you'll be getting those blood sugar spikes too quick and the, that fructose and things really breaks down, um, a lot faster than, um, we would like it to. Still better than Snickers, but. <laughs> uh. So you mentioned carbs. Can you kind of break down the different types of carbs for us and what what would maybe cause blood sugar to spike and then fall? Um, you named a couple different types of carbs. Right, so there's complex carbs and, and like like simple carbs. Like complex carbs are um, the carbs that are in vegetables and you know you know those, those types of carbs where you know there's there's um, nu- nutrients and fibers mm-hmm. and all these things and um, the your body's going to break it down slower because it has to deal with all this other stuff and it's not just going to go straight to 
um, the blood sugar, right? So it's like s simple carbs, um, more like starch, starchy carbs. So like rice, pasta, um, potatoes, um, you know, sugars and things like that. Are soda. Gonna, yeah, soda. All that stuff is even Snickers. If it, even, even <laughs> if it doesn't have sugar in it, um, that, that starch really gets broken down fast in the body, and it goes into glucose, and then that that just can can raise the uh, the uh, blood sugar as well. Got it. Okay. You mentioned potatoes. I know. There's different potatoes that fall on different ends of the starch scale. Right. <laughs> um, a lot of people say, okay, well, let me just ask you, what are your thoughts on sweet potatoes? Are those a good carb, a simple carb, or more complex? Uh, it would be more towards the good or, or okay. complex. Um, it's going to have a little more stuff in there than just a simple white potato. Um, that white, white potato, not only, not only is it a nightshade, um, which um, can be, you know, um, have solanines and things like that that, other, that can build up toxicities in the body. Um, so that's all like the, the, the nightshade stuff. So not only is it a nightshade, um, but it, it's, a, it's just a very simple, um, very just simple carb that breaks, breaks, breaks down. Um, uh, it's very high in starches and just goes straight, straight to the, the, the blood sugar. So it has a very high glycemic uh, index. So that could cause blood sugar to spike and then fall and cause right. blood sugar dysregulation. Right. So if you have low blood sugar and you're eating a lot of these simple carbs and you get a really high blood sugar spike, you're going to feel really great for a minute, but then you're just going to come down really hard. And uh, yeah, it can, I guess the uh, kind of feeling of low blood sugar is you feel like you eat and like you're, you're lacking energy and you eat and it gives you energy and you're like, hey, mm -hmm. you know, there it is. And then as you go throughout the day, you just feel like you kind of tire out again. Um, and when you come <clears throat> down is when you usually have the headache, right? Yeah, yeah. How many people, I mean, in your practice, do you hear of that say, I get that two o'clock dip and I reach for sugar, I'm reaching for a soda, I'm reaching for a candy bar. Do you think that's because they're I mean, crashing after lunch? Do you think that's poor diet? Uh, I think, yeah, kind of look at what they're eating, what they're doing. Uh, yeah, you got to be... Uh, after just sitting at a desk all day eating kind of trashy food, they're going to feel kind of trashy. I mean, especially after, you know, even if you do wake up with energy and you're not totally depleted on energy yet, uh, you're getting through the day and then, yeah, you have a really um, high carb meal, um, high starchy meal, and yeah, go back and try to focus at work. You're, yeah, you just kind of get that, that yeah, 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 the kind, kind of brain of fog, <laughs> eyes glassed headache. over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like you're really just crashing out that's a kind of reactive hypoglycemia so you're oh. uh, your you're low blood sugar you went high and then you're, you're coming back down way way too fast what would if you had to explain the perfect lunch for somebody with blood sugar headaches what would you tell them to eat if you had a meal plan for them yeah. um so i like to do guidelines more than meal plans but the just getting a um, making sure that you have good fats good fibers um so the fiber is going to really slow down the any kind of sugar you have in in your lunch. It's really going to slow that down mm -hmm. and getting in, into the bloodstream. All right. So the good fats, good fibers, fats, fats are going to make you feel full. So if you were to give somebody a meal idea for lunch to not have that sugar drop and that low blood sugar headache in the afternoon, what would be a great meal to have at lunch to not have that crash? If you could give us an example. Yeah, so just like it's a good example is, you know, you're going to want protein, fibers, fats. Um, so just a good um, good lunch and not going overboard. Like I said, you don't want to eat too much for lunch. And then, then you know, that even if you eat the perfect thing, eating too much is going to have an effect on your blood sugar as well. Mm. So something like, you know, maybe grilled chicken and avocado and just a nice good vegetable like broccoli or, you know, something, so, something like that, that has really, really, really good fiber in it. Perfect. Yeah. So that's a lot of information on different types of headaches. Um, 
Another one I'd love to ask you about, because I know it's so common for so many women, is hormonal headaches. Mm -hmm. I have patients that have a headache on the first day of their cycle, on the 12th day of their cycle, you know, sometimes you can really pinpoint it. What would you do for somebody who comes in with hormonal headaches? So just, uh, I would look and see, um, well, women in particular would see if kind of where they're at in their cycle. If they are cycling, they still have all their parts. Um, so we're really kind of <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by have all their parts? Uh, I mean, like, if you, yeah, if you have, if you have a, um, a, a hysterectomy. Got right? it. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that, you know. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if, you know, um, if you're not cycling or if you have had a hysterectomy, Therefore, you're not cycling. Right. Um, or if you are cycling, we'd, we'd be running kind of different types of panels. But then we just, um, yeah, once we kind of figure out what hormone panel to run, we would run that hormone panel. And then once we get the results back from the lab, really look and see where your deficiencies are um, or even where you're kind of overshooting, where your body's making too much hormone. So, okay, a couple of things there. How do you do the testing if you're doing multiple throughout the month? It is a saliva test. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, so if you're cycling, we're going to want um, to kind of test throughout this, your cycle, right? And just kind of see where things are going awry and where they're going right. Um, so then uh, yeah, so you would have a kind of just through different parts of your cycle, you'd be you'd be taking a, a saliva sample in a tube. At, and at the end of that, you'd be sending it off to the lab. The lab would be sending us results. So this is something people can do at home? Yes. Yeah. Got or it. Or if it's um, something not non-cycling, somebody who's had a hysterectomy, or um, somebody who's never had any of those parts, like a man, um, yeah. would, uh, <laughs> we, would, we would just do one, one sample. And that, because uh, that's going to be, um, you know, that's how it should, you know. Be all month. Yeah, be, be all month. So, interesting you mentioned men, although I want to talk about women. I know that they say men go through kind of a menopause, but they, called it, they call it andropause. Yeah. Man, manopause. Manopause. <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. Um, do you think... Men have like hormonal fluctuations during the month, and their hormones can change. What do, What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I would let, I just I haven't really um, thought thought about it much. I mean, I would say that I mean nothing really ever blooms all year, so I would say yeah. the, you know there's got to be some kind of hormone fluctuation in there, um, you know, for men, especially when you get older. I mean, uh, so I, you know, really do think and believe that, you know, um, hormones stop being produced. Um, I don't know how much month to month or week right. to week within the month, but I know once we get a certain age, um, your hormones just kind of start to not be produced at, you know, um, the amount that they used to be. So then, yeah, you can go through kind of an andropause the way women go, th go, th go through uh, a menopause. What about the opposite with men? We're finding more and more men have too much estrogen. They have too much h hormone. They're making too much hormone, and they're getting right. more like breast tissue and right. heavier around the middle midsection. So really want to look at adrenal function there, make sure adrenal is not stealing um, uh -huh. things away from the building blocks to make testosterone. Um, also want to make sure that um, things aren't... Um, being introduced to the body, like plastics and certain things in the diet can really, like soy can really drive estrogen in men. Um, and hormones in meats. Yeah, yeah. So just, yeah, if you, you have, get hormone yeah, free yeah, meat. Yeah, if, you, if your, you know, meat is being injected with all, or fed all, all these hormones, then you're going to be ingesting those as well. And those are going to go into your bloodstream and now they're in your system. Yeah, I heard, um, and who knows, right, if this is true, but I've heard that because men sometimes are taking on more feminine roles, like they're doing half the kid care, half the housework, There, some of them are staying at home, that sometimes the hormones adapt. I don't know if that's even... Um, that's, um, a, that's a good theory. I mean, I haven't thought, yeah, about, I I haven't, I haven't thought about it that way. I've, um, I'd just be more 
uh, or I, to me, I kind of see it in like the you know, there's all these medications and things out there, and we're they're just in the meat, they're in the water, yeah. right? We're putting it in our food, like where people are are taking these things and 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 passing them through their body into the into the, into the you know water systems and things, and the water systems aren't really geared to take medications out of the water, right? right? So oh. you know, or if people. Um, you know, if you're getting, you know, going through your house and getting rid of a bunch of stuff, what do you usually do with them? You throw them, in, you throw them down, down, down the uh, toilet. You flush them. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a, you know, a lot of stuff that didn't even get passed through through the body yet. So. And um, that can affect hormone yeah, levels, so hormone just disruptors. Th- things in the food, um, unnatural things in the food, or even natural things like soy. Soy just dries estrogen. Right? Yeah. Even if it's clean, non-GMO, you know, all the. You know, green, you know, hippie, hippie stuff, and it's all it's it's, it's <laughs> super clean. Um, in men it, or in in everybody, it drives it drives at, est, at, at estrogen. So it's going to be um, particularly particularly for men, not that that great to be eating a whole lot of soy. Um, hormones are tricky, right? Yeah. Like too high of hormones and too low of hormones, those both can trigger headaches. Yeah, hormonal headaches, right? Yeah. So. So let's say you get a patient slabs back and you see some hormone problems. What do you do then? Uh, so yeah, so there's some things that we can do um, with n- nutrients and, and things in the office. There's some things that we can do um, physically. Um, so we just want to support the body in a way nutritionally that's getting everything that it needs. Um, so there are building blocks to make those hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, also want to be doing things um, or not doing things, like I, I mentioned earlier, um, the adrenals and the stress response. I mean, if, you're, if you're stressed out all the time, there's a thing called a pregnenolone steel, and it goes in there mm. and to make cortisol, your um, this pathway is is really driven by the adrenal glands and every all the building blocks for all your mineral corticoids and all your hormones and all your sex hormones gets gets kind of robbed from from this and those bu- building blocks are used to make cortisol. So you need to kind of check your stress stress response. Um, you know, get out of that fight or flight kind of mi- mindset and let you know if we're in if we're in fight or flight the body's not carried not we're not worried about digestion or or reproduction so, so, right so, so those just kind of go out the window if right can't, if we can't get out of this then we're not going to make it to do to do the other two right so like if we're running from the tiger <clears throat> we're not going to stop and have a bowel movement or stop and have a child right. and make a baby right, right. like those right. things don't matter right so then so check check the stress response support the body nutritionally so that you know it will get those th- those building blocks and then in the case where everything looks good and you just have a little bit of low T, you just all right. Well, you just ask your body to make to make it. So once we get the body out of stress, mm-hmm. we get the building blocks in the body, so we support you nutritionally. Go work out. Like, yeah. Go lift, go lift something heavy. Go do so a little bit of high intensity stuff. <laughs> ask your body to make testosterone. Ask your body to make these hormones. You know, your body's efficient, and by efficient, I mean lazy. It won't just do things because <laughs> right. And to the fact that if we support too much and we start giving. Um, these, these things in too high a volume um, for too long of a time, mm. that gland will, will go through a healing process and then become so aware that it's, it's healed and then now notice that it's getting these things from an outside source and then we'll say downregulate. It will downregulate itself because it's efficient. And by efficient, I mean lazy. It's, it'll say, hey, we don't have to make these hormones ourselves. We're getting it from, 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 from an outside um, source and then they'll kind of downregulate themselves. So that's not something you want to do either. Right. A lot of people are getting, like, you use testosterone, like the testosterone pellets and things. And I know that there's a time and place for those, but sometimes I just wonder if they're overutilized and, and like you said, shuts down the endocrine system from having to make it. It's like, oh, we don't... We don't need it. We've yeah. got it coming in an outside source. Yeah. Why would we? Yeah. And that's the one thing with hormones, um, yeah. particularly, you got to watch out for. You know, like you know, 
vitamins, nutrients, and things like that, it's um, it's not so bad. But yeah, you start getting um, hormones, and yeah, you can really um, mess up the endocrine system um, if you're not really careful. And we like to, in our practice, give the building blocks, like you said, uh, to get your body and remove interferences if things are toxic, detox, excess hormone, or whatever, and get the body to make it on its own. That's exactly. that's what we really want: the yeah. body to function and make things on on their own. Um, I think lastly, let's talk about, since you kind of talk about too much hormones and toxicities, let's talk a little bit about um, toxicity headaches. Yeah, that's one I didn't mention. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, so you, just, you know the person that, um, you know, you wear too much perf- perfume or cologne or you're, you are the person or you know somebody that walks into a room and they've shampooed the carpets or there's just too many Glade plugins in the walls. Right. And just they can't stand the, you know, the presence of being either in that room or around that person because of just the chemicals going off of them and gives them a headache. They can't go down <clears throat> the cleaning aisle at the grocery store yeah. or to the perfume aisle at yeah. Dillard's without yeah. having a headache for yeah. bed patients that are knocked out for two or three days wow. sometimes with a headache. Yeah. But sometimes it's just an immediate headache. Yeah. So when, when I see that, start kind of thinking about just the body not being able to clear out those toxins that you just picked up, right? So, you, you know, you're supposed to... Because you can smell toxins too, right? Like yeah. that's another entrance yeah. into the body. We yeah. don't just eat them. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can smell them. You can, um, you, can, you can eat them. You can get them on, on you know, just t- touching them through your skin. Yeah. You know? uh, so, yeah, just the, uh, your body's supposed to be able to deal with these things and get them and move them along. Um, if not, um, it can, you know, start causing problems like headaches, um, you know, stress on the liver. Um, rashes. Yeah, rat rashes, um, things like that. And it's going to, you know, really kind of start leaning towards the liver can't do its job. And why, why isn't the liver doing its job? So, you know, even in the blood work, you see there's some high markers and things like that. That's kind of a what's going on, but we can really look to um, start seeing this. We can really look to um, g- genetic testing and really go in and see how the body's dealing with um, its pathways on getting toxins out of the body. And if you find that there is a, um, a mutation uh, in that pathway, um, it's and and it's and they're having um, these these signs and symptoms, so it is active. So a mutation doesn't have to be on; it can it can be it can be dormant, but still still mutated. Mm. And then once it decides to um, switch on or become active or um, kind of express itself, then that's when you kind of start having the problems with that pathway. So yeah, go in and see that you know if they have mu- mutations there and that they're having problems with it, um, su- support support the body through those kind of mutations, patch those holes, if you will, and then it kind of mm. it's, it's like sticking that cog back on the wheel. So now you know that one cog will now turn that whole that whole pathway down. Okay, so you're looking for genetic mutations that can cause some of these toxicity headaches because your body's not working right. What gene? Do you typically look at, or what genes do you look at, or what pathways? So we uh, there's a genetic testing that we use in our office. It's a 55 panel gene test. It's a really good look at all the genes. You get um, one set of genes from your mom, one set of genes from your dad. Um, they never change, right? So it's a one time test, and you kind of know your genetic makeup and where all the holes are. Uh, where we start seeing a lot of the, um, I guess mutations or SNPs, or I guess it's SNPs, um, kind of Single you know, nucleotide, nucleotide polymorphism. It's yep. just a really fancy word for mutation. Uh, <laughs> Snip. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Shortened. Yeah. So it's just um, yeah. Where we start to see those mutations or SNPs is in um, a lot of it can be in in the methylation pathway, and um, you know some people may have heard of the MTHFR gene. Uh, yeah. It is one of the genes in the methylation path- pathway. It's not the only one. 
Um, I believe there's um, 10 others. Um, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite a big pathway. Um, they are, the MTHFR is the most commonly mutated, um, mm. but it's not the biggest offender when it is mutated. Right? So there are other genes in that pathway that if it's mutated, you have a bigger percentage deficit from methylation um, from that than you do the MTHFR. Right. And I guess backing up what methylation is, uh, it's the body's kind of filing cabinet or filing system really just telling things where to go. So it'll add a methyl group on the end of all these molecules and things and really kind of send it to certain areas of the body. Um, when your body has a problem sending molecules and, and good stuff to the areas of the body that, need, that needs it, um, these things kind of floating around and just may happen to get to where it needs to go. So the body can't really methylate or, or um, For organize the de the yeah. toxins. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of people say, um, I'm a poor methylator. And I've heard that I get headaches from toxicity, yeah. smelling toxic things because I'm a poor methylator. Yeah. But exactly what you said, people are running around, I have the MTHFR gene, I have the MTHFR gene. Uh. That's not the only gene. Or people are going, I don't have the MTHFR gene. I'm think, a good detoxer. I think they're fine. I think I'm fine, but they could have other issues right. in the pathway. So that's super important. So if you're one of those people that have that have the problem of walking down the cleaning aisle at the grocery store, like you just can't do it, you should definitely get your full methylation panel yeah. tested. Is that what you would recommend? Yeah. So, you know, like, the, you know, it's it's a good window. It's, it's, it's like looking at one marker in the blood for for everything, right? So it's, it's, it's a good start, but you know, um, it's not the whole picture, right? So it's Got just, it. uh, uh, yeah, I just want, want to see the whole, whole, the whole thing going on. Cause if, you know, if you don't have it, that's not a free pass to say my methylation's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, more reason to use non-toxic cleaning products mm -hmm. and things like that, even, yeah. even if you are in a poor methylator, but so you can test these in our office. Yeah, so it's, once again, it's a, it's a saliva test. Um, it's a cheek swab. They're going to get um, a little stick, a little magic wand, and go inside your mouth and send it off to the lab. Um, yeah, we can do it in the office. You can do it at home. Um, and then we just get the results back and yeah, go through um, all of your DNA. It's actually, I think it's, um, it's very interesting. I think it's actually the kind of the future of where things are going. It's um, nu nutritionally and ph pharmaceutically. I mean, the, we, you know, um, doctors... Um, alternative doctors, medical doctors are going to want to see mm -hmm. what you're made of before they just start giving you things, right? So it's just, you know, and... At least we uh, hope so. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, if your doctor's <coughs> not up to date and well-versed on genetic testing, I would be concerned. I would yeah. find another doctor as well as nutrigenomic testing, nutritional testing, but there's another type of test we do in the office called Pharma pharmacogenetic yeah. testing. Yeah. And yeah, do you want to speak a little bit to that? I know this doesn't have to do with headaches, but this is yeah, fascinating no, information. I, I've had it ran um, a couple of years ago, and I've had run it on a few patients here at the office. There, if you're if you're on any medications or ever plan to go on any medications, um, like I said, your genes never change, so you kind of want to know what your you want to know what your genetic makeup is. So we can run this pharmacogenetic test, and then you kind of have that in your back pocket. If you if you're not on any medications, um, or if you are, we can run it to see if what your what the medications are doing and how they're acting in your body. So the pharma Pharmacogenetics is looking at genetics based on pharmaceuticals, right? So how the pharmaceuticals break down in, in your body and whether they're um, active, non-active, too active. So, you know, it's something to where the point where, um, you know, let's say, for ex example, you go in and, um, you know, drug A doesn't work. You know, drug B gives you a reaction and now drug C works for you. Well, wouldn't you just like to go straight to drug C? <laughs> right? Instead right? of instead of what a lot of people are going through right now is, yeah. oh, that didn't work, let's try this. That yeah. didn't work. Oh, that worked too well. Yeah. And it knocked you out for three days. Yeah. So yeah. just, you know, it'll, it'll show on there what's what's uh, metabolized fast, which is if you metabolize something fast, it 
doesn't really work for you. It just the rest of your body and your body gets rid of it way too fast. These are people it. who take pain medication. They're and like, don't feel it, don't right? Feel it. So it's the, so then you're getting called by the and by the MDs and doctors <sighs> as like a drug addict. And you're just here for 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 you know just like a fix. And it's like, no, I'm not feeling these things work because you yeah. metabolize them fast. If you metabolize them slow, you're poor. If you're a poor metabolizer, um, these things can be toxic or work too much for you, right? To the fact where they they just keep hitting your receptors in your body. Your body can't clear them out, and it's just super effective to the point where it could be toxic or you start dealing with a whole lot of extra um, uh, uh, side effects. Could be fatal, too, yeah, right? Yeah. If we're, luck- oh, yeah. if we're talking about anesthesia or mm-hmm. something that your body can't yeah. utilize. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. This is some Star Trek kind of stuff. Yeah. I really think this is the way of the future, yeah. for sure. And we are so fortunate to run this test on patients. And we obviously don't prescribe medications. We yeah. do everything all natural. But this is good that we can say, hey, yeah. take this to your doctor. Yeah. Make sure they don't prescribe X, Y, Z. Now you know. Uh, even in you know in our office, people come in with, you know, they've gone to their doctor. They are on medications. We can't do anything with that. But we can show them, hey, you know, go back to your doctor. And this is not, you know, maybe be the best thing for you. And Yeah. Uh, and that's... Uh, yeah, that's really, really good information, and um, yeah, and I think that you know, that's love like it. I said, that is where th- things are going. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. yes, if you're getting toxicity questionnaires, it could be genetic. So, well, yeah, I think that gives our listeners a lot of information about different headaches and actions they can take to rectify them and find out their root causes, and even some tips maybe on foods and things they can do and different tests and. Thank you so much, Danny, for yeah. all of our all of your information that you shared with us, and thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. Again, you yeah. are so smart, and it's such an honor to work with you at Infinity Wellness Center, and I so appreciate everything that you shared with everybody today. And thank you for tuning into our podcast today. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks so much. The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.